Just a quick note, our philosophy here on Two Teas in a Pot is to use English in its most natural form. So, a few bad words might slip through the net every now and then. This episode contains adult language. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Two teas in a pod. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Two teas in a pod. Welcome back to two teas in a nope. That's good. Say it again. Welcome back to two teas in a pod. Hiya. You can't do that. Yeah, you can. Come on. It's so sweet. Welcome back to two teas in a pod. Hello. I'm Katie, and that's Tim. And Tim. Yeah. How's it going, Katie? I'm good. A bit hot in this room we're recording, but I'm yeah. fine. Sweaty Barcelona. Sweaty. Oh, call... I thought you were going to call me something else then. You sweaty Barcelona. <laughs> um, yeah, we've got to keep the windows closed while recording so it gets a little bit hot in the studio. Hot. What have we got today, Katie? So What's going on? So, we have got... Uh, we're doing a an episode on travel. You probably know by the mm, title. It's all travel about travelling and travel tales. And we are speaking to our good friends, John and Anya, who have a very interesting story. We mm. also have five ways to say, to talk about different expressions, to talk about traveling. And we have a few Vox Pops with uh, various people discussing their good and not so good memories about traveling. A bit of a trigger warning there. Some of the themes are a bit more adult in nature. So if you're worried about that, just be aware that it's probably not appropriate for all audiences. Mm-hmm. Little bits of darkness this in some quite, of the It's quite dark tales. And the odd um, bad word here and there. Yeah, so if you're offended by language, then best turn it off, I guess. Yeah, just switch it off. Switch it off. <laughs> Stop listening. you got a travel tale, haven't you, Katie? Well, I was just dis- we were discussing about what, to, what, what we could talk about here, and, and I, I said that um, I, I've done lots of traveling, but... Um, my, so my mum and dad. And we were in Canada when I was very small. I don't remember this. I just have been told the story a lot. Mum and dad uh, were going hiking and my sister and I were in the big backpacks that little kids go in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were walking around British Columbia and they were going on a trail that they thought would only take an hour, an hour and a half tops. And somewhere along the way, they took a wrong turn. And they ended up at the top of a, a very big hill looking down upon the hotel where they were staying and it was getting dark and there was they'd taken them several hours to get to this point and there's no other way they could turn around they're in they're in Canada they're worried about bears all the things that could happen so what they decided to do is they started to walk along the top of the cliff and they eventually come across um, an iron ladder that's been embedded into the cliff which is I mean we're talking it's quite tall maybe 200 meters high this cliff face um at that point, they've just they've decided that they're just going to have to go down this ladder in with, the dark. With in well, in, in definitely in twilight, with two small children strapped to their backs. And um, as as you would, <laughs> you'd be quite nervous. But my mum's like you; is also has quite a phobia of heights. Yeah. And was uh, crying all the way down and was freezing, like couldn't move, and Dad was having to coax her down, and so he was went down ahead of her. And they all got they got to the bottom and everyone was fine. But 
Ooh, it sounds yeah. quite scary. Having two kids strapped to your back, worrying that they might fall out at any moment. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, getting lost in the wilderness is scary enough. But then when you've got little kids as well, it yeah. must be. Have you ever got lost while traveling? I got lost. Uh, me and my dad didn't get lost, but we were walking in uh, in Scotland in the Highlands somewhere. I can't remember. The Larry Grew. I can't remember where it is, but we decided to do a day of hiking. Um, and there's a very long valley um, that goes between lots of really high mountains. There's the Monroes, which are specifically some of the tallest mountains in Scotland. And so we planned this trip to walk all the way up the valley and then go up two or three of the mountains. And so we did that, um, but it was taking us slightly longer than we realized. And then it started to get dark and we were like, oh dear, and my stepmom was waiting back in the place we were staying for us and it was taking longer and longer and longer and we were getting a little bit scared and then the midges come out midges if listeners are like small very slow moving flies that are very annoying they bite they bite you and it's really it's not like a mosquito bite because it's like it's like a cloud of flies mm-hmm. it's horrendous they come out about well just as the sun's going down and if you stop for any amount of time, then they just eat they you just alive. They just eat you alive. You've got to keep moving. So we were getting hounded out, attacked by these uh, insects. And finally get to the end of the valley and get out. And the police are waiting for us at the mountain rescue. Luckily, they hadn't started searching the hills for us. <laughs> um, but they got, gave us a, a stern telling off. Oh, did they? To not... Yeah. And my dad's uh, a doctor, was a doctor as well. He's retired now. Um, and he has worked with mountain rescue before and should know better oh. <laughs> but i see all was well in the end it was fine well thank goodness mm-hmm. for mountain rescue they have yeah. saved many many lives in the scottish highlands they have they definitely have many lives um what other do you have any other travel stories i think um an experience that sticks in my head uh for several reasons was about or oh, i don't know 10 12 years ago now we had a family holiday to Tunisia at Christmas. Interesting place to spend your Christmas. Um, but one morning we did, uh, we got up really, really early in the morning, got up at the crack of dawn um, and took a minibus all the way to the Sahara Desert. Um, to what, And the idea was to watch the sun rise over the Sahara Desert. So we arrived at the edge of the desert um, at about maybe five in the morning. So it was really early. And then we all got put on camel backs. So we got on, onto our camels. We had a camel each. And then the camels were led in a line out into the middle of the desert to watch the sunrise. Um, some got better camels than others. My camel was fine. Um, <laughs> but one or two camels in front, uh, that camel was a little bit unwell, I think, a little bit sick. And uh, there was a woman riding, I think she she was a British woman, and she was wearing, she decided to wear like a flow. she wasn't part of your family. It was Not big, part of my it was family, a big group. yeah. It was a big group of tourists doing it. Um, she was wearing like a white dress, I think. Um, and this camel had a bit of a problem. Let's say it had diarrhea. Oh, no. So, oh, dear. Lots <laughs> of li- liquid poo. And um, and camels, while they're walking along, because there's the flies and everything around, 
They tend to be flicking their tails backwards and forwards. <laughs> so suddenly this camel lets out a big stream of <laughs> liquid poo and flicks its tail and like flicks the poo really high in the air. And it sort of arcs around and lands all over the woman's head and on her back. Like covered. And you're in the middle of the desert. So it's not like, oh, I'll just go to the sink and wash it off. It's like, <laughs> yeah. A convenient nearby oasis. Yeah, it's covered in camel care. shit for the rest oh of the day. Oh my God. That's so that was that's an image that stuck in my head um and then we arrived to the place and we watched the sunrise of the Sahara desert and <laughs> she's uh, covered really, in really shit. beautiful um but yeah i i don't expect that woman had a had a very good time um poor, poor lady but the views of the like of the sunrise with all the pinks and um oranges and the colors with like the camels silhouetted it was quite a how did you find image. riding a camel uh, it was fine. Yeah, you're in like a seat. You're not like straddling it like you're riding a horse. I just, I just find that I've only been on one, I think once or twice. But anyway, uh, you know, I find them riding them like much more uncomfortable than riding a horse. Mm-hmm. It's very, you get really... You know, shaken about a bit. Shaken about a bit. And they're very bony. They're bonier than you expect them to be. And you've got a flipping hump. Have you <laughs> sat on the hump? I don't think I was sat on the hump. I don't, it's like you sat a, in front of the hump? No, you, I think I was sat to the side. What do you mean you sat to the side? Maybe there were two of us per camel, actually. It was a long time ago. There can't be two of you per camel. Like one on it, like balancing each other out. Yeah, maybe. That sounds like rubbish. (laughs) (laughs) I don't believe that. I don't think that's true. You know, in um, the Middle East, they do camel racing. Yeah. And they used to do it with young boys as jockeys because they wanted Mm -hmm. to be as light as possible. But now they do it with robots. Really? UAE, yeah. Robot Robot camels. Robot jockeys. Wow. Okay, weird. Um, I think it's important when you're traveling to be respectful of the place that you're visiting. Yeah. No, I think we see nowadays... With ecotourism, you've got to um, travel with respect to the place and the culture. And, yeah. You know, don't go and buy a whole lot of crappy tack. Yeah. You need to buy local stuff and have local guides and support the local economy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I Don't think it's important. take the piss. Yeah. Um, I saw a perfect example of people not showing respect to where they were. They really angered me. I went to... I was in Poland, actually, for John and Anya's wedding. John and oh, Anya, we're going to be speaking to later. Coincidence. For their wedding. And I had a few days after the wedding. Um, I went to Krakow. And while we were there um, with my sister and her boyfriend, we decided to go to Auschwitz. So an, an old family friend of my dad's, um, her parents died in the concentration camps um, and he gave me... Specifically in Auschwitz or...? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he gave me the names of their parents to try and look them up in the, in the logbook there that they've got. Um, so we went and did the tour. Um, did you find it quite yeah, hard? Yeah, it was... Yeah, really really impactful and really yeah yeah hard i mean obviously it's going to be but there are other people on our tour on our tour bus who were with the same guide as us who weren't listening to the guide who got their phones out with a selfie stick and instead of listening to the the guide explaining about each part of it went off on their own and videoed themselves um like a big long selfie video of them walking around the whole place and it's just like come on people 
like we i had my camera with me and things but i decided that day i'm not going to bring my camera i'm not going to take any photos mm -hmm. okay and i didn't i think i switched my phone off as well and i just said it's not it's not the place but some people are just really tone deaf on these things selfie stick smiling with a what do you really need an auschwitz why, selfie? why do you want yeah. a picture of yourself in auschwitz i know it's like yes yeah, so i think it's something let's have a little moan about it something that's changing these yeah these people yeah right? yeah it's but i felt slightly similar to the what you're talking about in um the world trade center museum in new york <clears throat> when i when i last time i was in new york was a few years ago now and we went to the museum and it was it made a made a big impact on me the museum itself but just at the same time i was like there's a there's a gift shop at the end and there's um you you pay 24 dollars to get in and you just think, well, what, what your people are coming to kind of, you're kind of glorifying, I don't know, something really yeah. weird and capitalistic about it. Yeah, monetizing that. Monetizing wow. mm -hmm. grief tragedy. or, yeah. I mean, weird. I don't know, at the same time, it was like, it was really well done, I have to say. Mm -hmm. oh, it was, you know, cool. it's, really, yeah. it's really hard, hard hitting stuff. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Anyway, we've gone a bit dark. Let's just lighten things I up know, a bit. Gosh, yeah. good things. Let's talk yeah, about yeah. nice things. <laughs> let's talk to John and Anya about yeah. their amazing trip. Yeah, let's do it right now. <laughs> Travelling on a shoestring. Exactly. Enjoy. John and Anya have joined us on the podcast today to talk about some travelling they have done. And I believe you have travelled around the world, guys. Well, it wasn't technically around the world. It was around Asia, mainly, and Europe, a little bit. Yes. How, how many kilometers was it? Uh, 38,000 kilometers. It's pretty far. Isn't round the world like 55,000? I don't know. Trust you on 40, that one. <laughs> well, if you go around the equator, I think it's 44,000. So, yeah, not as close, but... Close uh, enough. Yeah, right. close enough. Okay, so where did you start? Uh, we started in Turkey. We started in Ankara. No? Yeah. We started Anchor in Turkey and then we headed east towards Central Asia in that way. Mm -hmm. So, if you just take us through a, like a list of your routes, where did you go? Yeah, so after Turkey, we visited Iran, then Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Kyrgyzstan, China, Mongolia, Kazakhstan. and Russia. You missed Kazakhstan. Did I? Oh, yes. sorry. <laughs> Lots of stands. Lots of stands. <laughs> All the stands. Okay, great. And uh, we understand that you did a cultural relay. It was our plan that we thought we'd try and make it a bit more interesting than just having a jolly around the world. So we, uh, we thought we'd do some kind of project where we'd learn and teach things to people that we met along the way. Okay, what did you start off teaching? Well, the first thing we, we taught was how to drink wine using poron, which is, well, you probably know what that is. But to, to those who don't, it's like a pouring jug that Spanish people used to use in the old days here when they went to work in the field. So we taught a Turkish guy how to drink using a poron and he, told, he taught us how to make um, Turkish tea. And we had like a small object to represent this. So we took the poron originally from Spain and we took it to Turkey with us in a suitcase and then we gave him the poron and he gave us little... Turkish tea glasses to represent this. Yeah, and, and the, the Turkish pot to, to brew. 
So was this, did, this is a guy that you met and had Yeah, it was a guy to... through, we mostly tried to use couch surfing when we were traveling because we're cheap and it's, it's a, a way to save money and it's a way to stay with people. Yeah, I went to meet people, meet locals, so you don't mm. always stay in hotels, but you, yeah, you integrate with, mm-hmm. with the people there. And the advantage with using that through couch surfing is that they spoke some English okay. to some degree so we could communicate to each other. Yeah. Can you explain a little bit about what Couchsurfing is, just in case the listeners... Of course, like Couchsurfing is a website, it's before Airbnb got so popular, that you would write to people and you stay at their house for, and it's with no money. So you, there's no obligation for them to stay at your house, but you can stay with people and it's, you get to speak to different people. It's a, a nice idea. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. And do you always stay on the couch? No, not literally. No, no, no. Like sometimes we were offered like amazing places to stay with our own room and sometimes it was just like on the floor somewhere. So yeah, it all depends what what they could offer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how did you travel? Uh, we traveled by hitchhiking, which is uh, when you stand by the side of the road and you stick your thumb out and you try and stop cars. Mm-hmm. So the whole way you traveled? Yeah, mainly. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And did you have... a well, in that case, did you have a route planned or did you just see where they would take you? Well, we had like a general route in our minds that we wanted to wait, go from Turkey and then end up in Poland via China and Mongolia and <laughs> Russia. The long way around. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, well, that was our rough route, but, you know, on the way we decided mainly where to stay, where to sleep. and We try and organise to be two or three days ahead of ourselves so we knew where we'd be in a few days. Hmm. But beyond that, not yeah, and also visas limited us somewhat. So sometimes we had to think and where to go to organize visas and stuff. Mm-hmm. Did you have any problems getting visas or traveling through any specific countries? Yes, well, because we're different nationalities. I'm English and Anya's Polish. The visa approach was slightly different. So, for example, in Iran, it was very, very difficult for me to get a visa mm-hmm. because they think English people are working to overthrow the government <laughs> at every okay. turn. So we, we did something slightly illegal, really. We had a, we had a friend... You probably should mention it on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, they've as, done it As now. long as the Iranian government's not listening, it should, <laughs> think, it should be okay. So we, uh, we, we have a, an Iranian friend, and he, technically, because I'm British, I need a guide, mm-hmm. and I should be followed by a guide everywhere in the country. But obviously hitchhiking is not... Yeah, you can't hitchhike with a, with a government With guide. a government, a government <laughs> yeah. guide with you. Yeah. So, so our, our friend managed to organise a fake tour guide for us, okay. who didn't actually exist, but only existed on paper. Yeah, nice. So then when we, when, when we crossed the border, the woman asked us where our guide was, and we said he was in the next town. And then whenever the police stopped us, which they did occasionally, we just played dumb and okay. just smile a lot. Oh, he's in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, did you have any... Well, hitchhiking, obviously, uh, what well, some people might be a little bit scared of the idea of hitchhiking. A bit did... suspicious of people that might... Either hitchhikers or people picking up hitchhikers. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you'd say about that? Is any, well, we've never myth? had any oh, problems, no. yeah. It's like mainly people who pick you up do it because they want to help you. Mm-hmm. And we are like, you know, we look, when we are on the road, we look rough, we look poor. So it's like they would not really want to rob us or anything because we would have nothing to offer. Okay. I think it also helps the fact that we're, we're a man and a woman together. If we were two men, we'd be a lot more intimidating. 
Okay. If we were two women, maybe we'd be more vulnerable. Yeah. I don't know. yeah. And we are also very small people, so I think we yeah. We are physically yeah. no we are physically <laughs> not intimidating. We're almost we're almost the size of one person. Okay. <laughs> between the two of us. Combined. Okay. Combined. So. Um, were there any specific countries where you found it easier or more difficult to hitchhike? Well, Iran was really easy to hitchhike yeah. because people are super friendly, and like sometimes we would end up somewhere. Uh, at night and we would still be fine with that because whoever you approach they would always help you they would give you their phone to to call someone you know or yeah just i don't know invite you to their house for food or yeah the good old hospitality of iran Mm -hmm. heard good things Mm -hmm. um what about is anything we in the whole journey in in general what was the weirdest thing the strangest thing that happened to you well, lots of strange things <laughs> happened, yeah. you know, we, the trip took 11 months, so in that time we visited a lot of different places and stayed with different people, mm-hmm. but well, maybe the story in Kazakhstan. Oh, we, we stayed with a criminal. In- <laughs> and, uh, yeah, okay. He's but the nicest nicest guy in the world, but yeah, he, there's some arse town of nowhere in Kazakhstan and there was a Mitel factory. Mitel is a big steel producer. Okay. okay. Yeah. I don't know he's famous. And uh, his his job technically was to go there at night and steal steel and then in order to <laughs> steel, sell it steel steel. steel, steel <laughs> if that, so the and he he had a gang and they all worked for him and he was the boss of the gang. He was a lovely guy. Steel stealers. <laughs> Steal the steel stealers guy. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Did he have steely blue eyes? He listened to a lot of Steely Dan. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Um, how did you meet this guy? Was it a guy who picked you up in his car? Yeah, he picked us up and uh, he invited us for lunch. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, he, he almost gave us his phone because we were going to, to the capital of the country. Okay. When we met him, and he really wanted us to come back and stay with him on the, on our way back. So he, yeah, he wanted to give us his phone, his physical phone, not his number, just but the device, for us to to contact him when we were. But hang on, how would you contact him if you had his phone? Well, because he had he just steal another phone. <laughs> 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 the, man, the man had no scruples about things that weren't tied down. Um, what do you think was like? Uh, the best experience that you had on the whole trip the thing that you think will really stick in your head as a once in a lifetime experience Mm, I don't know maybe staying in a mosque uh, in Turkmenistan Mm. that was a weird experience yes um, we met three old women who told us to go to the local church to sleep but all of our conversations were in Russian at this point so very basic Russian (laughs) as well (laughs) yeah because obviously in Central Asia, the backup language, the second language is Russian. Right. So obviously we don't speak Kazakh or Kyrgyz, but we learned some Russian for the trip. Mm-hmm. And it would have been impossible without it. Oh, gosh. Okay. What, does, um, what was the most useful phrase then that you learned in Russian? Can you remember? In Russian? Yeah. Well, spasiba. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. The most useful, you know, because people always help you, so you have to thank them. And where where are you going if we're hitchhiking? Hmm. At Kudavuyejeche? No, at Kuda would be where are you coming from? Okay, so Kuda Kudavuyejeche. Okay. Is where are you going? Yeah. In Russian, so if you're hitchhiking, 
Useful. Very useful, useful if you're going to speak to a driver. Okay, good. What about any like culture shocks you had maybe with food or drink you had to eat? Or? Yeah, in China they eat really weird things. Really? We had a thing called hot pot. You go to a restaurant, there is a, there is a hole in the table, and in that hole you have a hob. And on that hob you have a pot with very spicy liquid. Mm-hmm. And in that, in that pot you have to boil your own things and they bring you, I don't know, like raw brain or oh, pig's brain. blood and you have no. to like put it inside, boil it, you know, cook it for yourself and then you eat that. So it's a bit like a fondue. But with brains. But with, but brains. with a little bit more brain <laughs> yeah. than your average fondue. <laughs> it sounds, I bet you, it's probably a delicacy. I mean, we can't turn a nose up at that. It, but you haven't tried it. What's brains <laughs> like? Um... Oof. Well, bread is actually not yeah, bad. Yeah, brain is okay. With the lining of a cow's stomach, that's oh, gross. Tripe. Tripe's yeah. right. I like tripe. Yeah, oh, I, yeah tripe. I like tripe. I've like decided I like tripe. <laughs> what about blood? Well, not the Congealed, congealed pig's blood. Is yeah. boiled, boiled blood. Yeah. You can eat that. Yeah. Well, I suppose we eat black pudding in England, so I suppose yeah. we should not. I mean, it's true. Marcia, yeah, it's true. Um, and do you have any, so, having done this whole trip, what would you recommend, any tips or recommendations for people wanting to do something similar? You mentioned learning a bit of Russian, that's a good yeah, idea. Yeah, obviously where you're going in the world, if you're going to South America, learning Spanish would be useful. If you're going the ex-Soviet Union countries, you need some Russian. Yeah. Obviously, we didn't know any Chinese, which... Yeah, it was difficult in China. It was more difficult in China. Hmm. Because the... The level of English is obviously a lot lower. And they think that they really expect you to, to understand Chinese or to understand Chinese characters. So many times they would just like give us something written down in Chinese and they would be like, come on guys, you don't understand this? <laughs> like, no. the, the three minute diatribe at us. Like, eventually we make them understand we don't speak Chinese. So then they write down everything they said. It's like, you can't even understand written Chinese. <laughs> you are fools. Yeah. You guys. I think it's because in China... The written alphabet is the same for all the different people. Okay. But they all speak oh. different dialects and they can't understand each other. Okay. But if they write it down, they can all understand it. Uh, okay. So, so they always try that. They always you? try writing it down. So like, well, if you don't understand so me. Learn written Chinese. If yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> I think we learned one symbol in about four months. But. What about any tips for hitchhiking? What's the best strategies to use? Places to stand? You could write books on that. (laughs) Or a a website, maybe. Well, okay, like basic tactics is a woman stands in front of the man. (laughs) Okay. Because it's it's always nicer to see a woman's face than my beard No, come on, basic tactics, you always have to think... uh, Visibility, I suppose. Yeah, put yourself in the position of the driver. So, like, try to think if if they can stop, if they can Mm -hmm. see you, if, you know, you're posing no danger to them or to anyone on the road. Yeah. And, yeah, you have to be visible. You have to, yeah, look presentable. You can't have, like, muddy boots and expect people to pick you up. Mm -hmm. So... In, in Asia, I grew a really big beard, and I was like a local god to them, because oh, okay. they can't grow beards. They can't grow beards. They can't grow beards, so like, children will want to touch my beard and stuff. It's always a nice setting, a nice well, point. they can't, and they are not allowed to in yeah, some they, countries. Yeah, in some countries they're not allowed to. I almost got arrested for having a beard. For having a beard. Yeah, in Tajikistan. Yeah. It's illegal for men to have beards. Oh. Because they're scared of Islamic fundamentalists, basically. Uh, okay. So... 
I had a few strange incidents with yeah. men coming up to me and asking to see my passport and stuff. And like congratulating you for being yeah, brave. Yeah, a few, a few congratulating me. <laughs> wow. Um, so did you shave it or do you just think... No, I just I thought, Sodom, I'm, I'm only going to be here for a month. They're not going to lock up a Westerner for having a beard, surely. It's quite... And they didn't. And they didn't. They didn't. So. so in summary, <laughs> learn some Russian, learn some Chinese characters... <laughs> Grow a beard. Shave a beard. <laughs> Shave or grow a beard. Depending on where. Yep. And that's your travel tips. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> be visible. And be visible. And smile. And smile. Yes, yeah, smiling. And also things like, we have a tent with us. So if it got too dark, then at least we could sleep in a tent. Okay. We were never like exposed to the elements. So you're away, away for 11 months. How many kilometers or how many miles did you say? So 38,000 kilometers. 38,000 kilometers. How much money did you spend? Because we know you like to travel on a shoestring. Mm, how much money did we spend? Mm, I don't know, about four grand each, something like that. Basically, we don't know. We haven't actually counted. So about, but... No, not each. We spent, I think, four grand, four grand in total. No, we spent more than that, babe, on visas. I don't know. Dunno, X amount. Uh, X amount, but not a lot, like compared to if you were doing it as one big holiday. Of course, uh, I think yeah. my yeah. we know people that would spend more in a weekend break in Barcelona than we What? Spend. Four grand? Well, maybe not that much. Who? But no, but like over <laughs> eleven months, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there were there were people who come like we didn't go to fancy restaurants, we had a tent, we mm-hmm. hitchhiked, we, we did everything we could to keep our expenses down because 11 months is a long time and we are not rich people mm-hmm. yeah fair enough okay very good well it's been really really interesting to really talk interesting. to you guys thanks a lot for coming on the show well thank you for having us um are you still running your website well not recently but it's still there I it's mean, still it's there yeah. Tips, yeah you so. can have a look at it you can have a look at our pictures or videos oh, don't don't look at my pictures <laughs> <laughs> i don't look beautiful the, what's the address Hitchhikershandbook.com. Okay, great. Hitchhikershandbook.com. We'll so, put it in a link somewhere. Yeah, we'll add cool. a link so you can check out uh, pictures and videos of their trip. Um, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. We're on a mission to avoid repetition with five ways to say. Welcome to Five Ways to Say. This week. We are talking about traveling expressions. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, the first of the expressions is to travel on a shoestring, which means to travel cheaply or on a budget. Mm -hmm. So, normally staying in in hostels or in cheap hotels or couch surfing. Couch surfing, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, So, spending as little money as possible while you're traveling. Exactly. Travel on a shoestring. The second one we've got is to get the travel bug. Um, this means that, for example, if you travel, generally it makes you want to travel more. So you'll find people who... See more things. And see more, more things, yeah. You'll find lots of people who have been traveling, I don't know, backpacking around Asia will be like, right, they get home and they're like, right, I've got the travel bug. Now I want to go Planning to South America. Now I want to go to Australia, okay? So this is this addiction you have. You get the travel bug. Um... Something else you might want to do if you're traveling is travel light, especially in this day and age with, you know, airlines charging you for taking extra baggage. You don't want to take a heavy bag. So you travel light, you carry very few things, only the things that you need. And that's how you get around. 
It does mean that you need to find like washing machines along the way and things, yeah. but it's fine. I have a problem with that. I've got uh, an allergy to biological washing mm, powder. Me too. Oh, so I, I always get, I always come up in like a rash. Yeah, red. And blisters. Ugh. But anyway, there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. It's, it's not going to, it's not going to kill me. Anyway. I find that I'm not very good at traveling light and <laughs> I don't. always pack too many things and do come you? home with like, um, I don't know, a jumper, some t-shirts that I just haven't worn. The last trip I went on, I took um, three T-shirts and it was for eight days and it was not enough. Yeah. I was stinky when I got back. Yeah. I smelled bad and I always I was go a mistake. A T-shirt a day. Because otherwise... A T-shirt a day. If you're going to somewhere that's hot. Yeah. Because you get that's stinky. True. That's true. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't hot. This was, you know... Anyway, next one is a tourist trap. So a tourist trap is um, like a... Normally in a city, you'll find where there's the most famous uh, landmarks, monuments, um, places that the tourists like to visit. Um, around that area, you'll find there'll be lots of like overpriced, expensive restaurants, mm-hmm. lots of overpriced shops, all sort of built up around that area. And it's just a place where the, the locals just don't go. Yeah, a tourist yeah, trap. A tourist yeah. trap. What you want to do, extra bonus expression, I just thought of. You want to find the places that are off the beaten track. Ooh, off the beaten track, meaning for locals, lots of not many tourists go mm-hmm. there or know about it. Yeah, like special hidden restaurants or hidden things that you need to find in a place. And they're away from, yeah, the tourist traps. Do you know any, any places that are off the beaten track in Barcelona? I have went to a restaurant in Gracia that is off the beaten track that was really, really good. It's called Canneos, I think never heard of it but it's a little bar restaurant run by someone called nails and they do amazing tapas really really good really really cheap no tourists great stuff you passed it on now i passed it on i've ruined it don't Sorry. go to it well nails is going to love it because she's going to get lots more customers um um to rough it as well it's um there's another expression to rough it which means to normally like the opposite of luxury isn't it so mm-hmm. it would be sleeping rough norm- maybe could be camping as well sleeping outside normally somewhere quite uncomfortable yeah no luxuries no comfort no cup no creature comforts no creature comforts. creature comforts are the luxurious little things that you mm-hmm. have like having a shower exactly <laughs> that kind of thing exactly so roughing it mm-hmm. some people when they do it when they go backpacking they have to rough it sleeping yeah. in a tent, yeah, even yeah. sleeping in like in a I don't know bus station or something. Yep. Yeah. Sleeping in the airport. Sleeping in the airport. That's roughing it. Ooh. That is roughing it. That is yeah. that is rough. Yeah. Um, and the last one is to hitchhike, um, which is to stand by the side of the road with your thumb out, um, hoping that the cars stop and pick you up and take you somewhere. So hitchhiking is not so common now. So the verb is to hitchhike, and the people are... Hitchhikers. Hitchhikers. We're on a mission to avoid repetition with five ways to say... So we are talking to Shay. Shay, what is your most memorable travel tale? Definitely the one where I went to China. Um, I was living in Japan. And for the Easter holiday, we booked a tour for five days in Beijing. 
And two weeks previously, uh, China Air had crashed into the mountains of South Korea, so we were a bit worried about how safe the the airline company was. But I thought, no, it might be okay because because of the crash, they'll have better safety controls. And we were sitting on we were sitting in the plane. We were watching the the safety video when suddenly there was a massive bang and the whole plane shook and we had no idea what had happened because we were just pulling out ready to to get onto the runway and the pilot came running and they were speaking very fast in rapid Chinese so we knew something had happened um, but we didn't know what and they fed us food I think to keep us calm for the first hour and a half and then the Americans started to get really annoyed that we were locked up and we had no information so they told us that it'd been a technical problem but everyone on the left hand side near the wing could see they they were talking and they were pointing and describing what they could see and then the chinese started to get angry after about four hours of being in the plane and when did you get angry i just i didn't really mind i was like i was just stuck there i was just like i wish i could just get out i i didn't really get angry because i was on, i was on a holiday so it was like well i was just take the next the next plane um and then after about six hours a japanese guy just went mental and people were pointing and saying that they could see blood in the propeller and someone was saying there was like an eyeball on the on the front way which i don't think there was um but yeah, so they let us out and then they said we couldn't fly to Beijing that day. We had to fly the next morning. So they put us up in this little swank hotel and yeah, it was on the news that a Chinese engineer had run and jumped into the propeller and committed suicide. And that was why my plane couldn't go to Beijing. Oh my God. And so that meant that the next day when we flew, um, we were supposed to go to see the Great Wall of China and I had envisaged beautiful photos of this long wall but because we were delayed it was all rainy and overcast and you can't see a single thing and my photos were completely destroyed. Um, we were with a group of Japanese people and there was a grandfather who went missing uh, during the restaurant sort of like we were having a sit-down meal and he went off to the kitchen and no one had noticed he had gone and so we had to spend two hours looking for him and it's quite difficult because being Asian uh, we, I couldn't distinguish at the time between Chinese or Japanese so I thought we're never going to find this man after four hours we found him uh, he was in the kitchen talking to the cooks <laughs> had no one thought to go into the kitchen no not until four four hours later and then um, there's a lot of hagglers and people trying to sell you stuff and my boyfriend at the time this lady was really aggressive and he just and she grabbed his arm and he like sort of pushed her off and she started shouting in Chinese that he had assaulted her and that they had to get the police and we had to get our guide to come in and sort of calm things over by giving her money and what? yeah it was definitely something that i will never forget as long as i live and that was yeah that was my chinese adventure and i've not been back since wow and that was all over the course of how many days that was four or five days four or five days what? all that happened <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 it was brilliant wow so that's ridiculous <laughs> yeah and or they'd go into a shop and i would like it write japanese 
So I used some of the letters and they would try to they would try to swindle me basically but then I'd write it in Japanese and like oh hang on a second this girl actually knows something maybe we can't swindle her um, so suddenly the price went from something ridiculously high to something sort of immediate okay. and yeah it was and the four-star hotel actually had poles holding the roof up it looked like it was going to collapse at any moment and the water was brown like we had our our showers in brown water it was yeah it was lovely. <laughs> Sounds like an experience. You're really selling it. Yeah. So if you'd like to go to China, China Air is the one to go on. Yeah, go to Beijing. Yeah, and make sure you find the cloudiest days to take photos of the Great Wall of China. Brilliant. Thanks a lot for that. No worries. You're welcome. <laughs> so speaking of traveling, Tim... Um, did you hear about that Italian chef that died? No. He passed away. <laughs> <laughs> That's nothing to do with travelling. <laughs> it's to do with Italy. Tenuous jokes. <laughs> yeah. It was a good episode though, wasn't it? It was lovely. It was yeah. lots of fun. I hope you have lots of travelling ideas and now some travelling vocabulary you can use when you travel on a shoestring. What does that one mean again? To travel cheaply yeah, on good. a budget. On a budget. Um, so if you do have uh, interesting travel sto- stories, travel tales, um, share. share them with us. Please. Put them in comments. Comments. Tweet anywhere. us. Give us. We want to hear from you. Do it. Do it. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Let's speak to you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's show. We hope you've enjoyed it. Um, we'd like to say thanks to our wonderful sound producer, Ben Ward, for all his hard work editing and recording the show. Um, to Mark Wilding, who made our artwork and branding. To Lisa Marie Court, Bernice Ray, Vicky Malena, and our own Katie Wright for singing the jingles. And obviously the presenters, uh, Katie Wright, the wonderful Katie Wright, and myself. Um, if you've enjoyed the show uh, leave a comment on the Facebook page or the other social medias and share, share, share share the link Okay, get it out to as many people as possible so thanks to all our guests this week and tune in next time welcome to the podcast welcome to the podcast two cheese in a pod welcome to the podcast welcome to the podcast two cheese in a pod